Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs, and today we're broadcasting again from my hometown of Los Angeles. This program's all about helping entrepreneurs, and in fact, everybody that's in business, to be more successful. We've been bringing you great information, terrific advice, and fantastic interviews for four years now, and we're hoping that that is helping you to be more successful. I had a great response last week to my criticism of today's major banks. I um, went as far as to say that banks today suck. They are dreadful. And I also made a comment that millennials hate banks and they'd rather deal on financial matters with the likes of Apple and Google and Amazon. And... uh, I wonder if we can be very far away from those companies not only having their own financial systems but their own money where we could use Apple dollars to buy things um, with the value of the currency set depending on how well the company's doing. It's not really any different than what we do now with currency. It's interesting that I can't remember the exact figures now but it's something like 220 million people will do business on Amazon online and use credit cards and whatever and don't think twice about it, but only 49% of, of people who um, are with banks use PayPal because they don't trust it. <laughs> so, hmm, says a lot. Unless banks dramatically change the way they do business and unless they communicate with people, unless they give people the products that they want, They're in for big trouble. You know, they get so much protection from the government, and yet they're they're still going to be in trouble. You may or may not know that today Google rolled out a large update to its search engine that will almost certainly impact you negatively if your website is not really mobile-friendly. Google are expanding their use of mobile-friendliness, And they're using it as a ranking signal so that this change will affect mobile searches in all languages worldwide and will have a significant impact on their search results. So you're probably sitting there thinking, hmm, I don't have to worry. You know, I'm I'm busy. I've got a hundred other important things to do. My SEO efforts have been going fine. My website's probably mobile friendly. Is that what you're thinking? Well, you could be in deep shit. If you don't already know that your website is mobile friendly, there's a good chance it isn't. And the downside of ignoring it will be lower rankings, less traffic, fewer leads and fewer sales. Not to mention that if you don't have a mobile friendly website, you may have been missing out on delivering an ideal experience to potential customers for a long time. So who knows how much business you've lost. So how can you tell if your website is mobile friendly? Well, there's 
three easy ways. The first is the three-second method. So it's going to take you three seconds. Bring up your website in a browser. With your mouse, grab the right side of your browser window and drag it all the way to the left until you can't shrink your browser anymore. Just as far as you can. Does your website still look proper or is it cut off on one side or the other? If it's cut off or the content is jumbled or the website just looks ratchet, this is an indication that your website may not be responsive or mobile friendly, so you should take a closer look. The second check is the 30-second method. So we've gone from 3 to 30. Google offers a website where you can test your website to see if it is mobile-friendly. Simply paste the URL of your website into the prescribed space, then click Analyze. Within a few seconds, Google will tell you if your website is mobile-friendly or not. If it isn't, It'll tell you the reasons why, and the, you know the usual problems are usually things like um, contents wider than the screen, links are too close together, text is too small to read, um, the mobile viewport is not set. This makes sure that people don't have to scroll horizontally on your website to see everything. The third check is, you guessed it, the three-minute method with Google Webmaster. There's a mobile test which may give you added insights into the issues that your website might have. Some websites can pass the three-second test and the 30-second test, but the three-minute test catches them out. So what do you do if your website is not mobile-friendly? Can you fix it easily and quickly? Maybe. Maybe not. It depends on the current side of your website. In some cases, a few minutes worth of work may be all it takes. In other cases, a complete website design might be in order. So given that the changes took place just today, hopefully you can get away with small fixes. I hope so. Now, with The big buzz for three or four years now is big data, which is really making a profound change as to how governments govern and Companies market products. Let me tell you about six unusual applications of uh, big data that you may not have ever heard of. These applications are interesting, they're unique, and it's interesting to see how they might be impacting your life. But they also show just how widespread the use of big data is. The first application is big data billboards. Outdoor marketing company Route is using big data to define and justify its pricing model for advertising space on billboards. It can work for benches, the sides of buses, you know, all of that sort of outdoor advertising. Traditionally, outdoor media is, is priced per impression. How many people are going to see it um, in a given day? No more. Now they're using sophisticated GPS eye-tracking software and analysis of traffic patterns to have a much more realistic idea of which advertisements will be seen the most, therefore be the most effective, therefore that you can charge the most for. The second interesting application is the iPhone Research Kit, which is Apple's new health app. It's effectively just turned your phone into a biomedical device 
for research. Researchers can now create studies through which they collect data and input from users um, just by taking it straight out of your phone. You know, it could track how many steps you take in a day. It could track, um, um, could ask you questions about how you feel after your chemo or how your Parkinson's disease is progressing, a whole range of things. And it's hoped that making this process easier will get a huge increase in the numbers of people participating and get accurate data and uh, that would be a fantastic result. The third application I thought was interesting was using big data in locating food and provisions. The website fallingfruit.org combines public information from the US Department of Agriculture, municipal tree inventories, foraging maps and street tree databases to provide an interactive map to tell you where the apple and cherry trees in your neighbourhood may be dropping fruit, when and where. The website's goal is to remind urbanites that agriculture and natural foods do exist in the city. You just have to access big data and a website to find it. The fourth application of big data that I thought was interesting is on the slopes. Ski resorts are getting into the big data game. RFID tags inserted into lift tickets. They cut back on fraud, cut back on wait times at the lifts. They help um, the ski resorts understand traffic patterns, which, um, which lifts and runs are the most popular and at what time of the day. They'll even um, track individual skiers around a mountain, so um, so they're getting a huge amount of information on everything that haps, happens on the slopes. It will tell you um, how many runs you slalomed, it'll tell you um, how many vertical feet you traversed, it'll tell you a whole, whole bunch of information, which you can then share on social media or Skype about to your family and friends. And big data is also being used for weather forecasting. Now, applications have long used uh, data from phones to populate traffic maps, but an app called Weather Signal taps into the sensors that are already built into Android phones, and uh, they crowdsource real-time weather data as well. The phones contain a barometer, hygrometer, that's the thing that measures humidity, ambient thermometer and a light meter, all of which can collect data relevant to weather forecasting, which is then fed into predictive models. So that's very cool. The final unusual application for big data is helping women find better fitting bras. The website True & Co, don't you love the name, True & Co, is using big data to help women find better fitting bras. Statistics show that most women wear the wrong size bra. And so website and so the website stepped up to try and solve that problem. Why do women wear the wrong size bra? They all think their tits are bigger than they are, I guess. Or maybe the opposite's true. I'm not sure. Customers fill out a questionnaire on the site and based on the responses, an algorithm suggests a selection of bras that they can choose from. The company's in-house brand is even developed and designed based on the feedback from customers 
and the data that the company has collected. Interesting. So the possibilities of using big data are endless, and it might be time to find the big data applications in your business. Have you seen any fascinating or unusual big data projects lately? Big data is incredible. I'm working with a company, CQS International, that is capturing big data to enable the building of highly accurate profiles on individuals. And this enables a more appropriate targeting of custom insurance policies that are designed specifically for people's needs and lifestyles now, today. Not products that are 10 years old or 20 years old or whatever, but what people need now. And this big data also allows predictive marketing, which means that you can ascertain what people are likely to want to buy in the future. Um, You couple that with geofencing, and all of a sudden you've got delivery of the right product at the right price at the right place at the right time. And um, that's an incredible step forward. And, uh, you know, for example, if you're in Tiffany's and you buy a watch, we know that you're in Tiffany's and we know what you bought and we know what price you paid. We can then deliver to your smartphone an instant quote and a click here, fulfillment. That is utilising big data at its absolute best. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show worldwide on Voice America Business. We're here to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you've got a question, any question at all about any aspect of business, it doesn't matter whether it's Marketing or sales or financial or taxation or protecting your IP or what it is, doesn't matter. Please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll either answer you on air or we will um, email you directly, privately, um, as quickly as we can. So make sure you subscribe to my monthly newsletter which gets sent out to over 16,000 business executives in over 60 countries every month. We received a great response to the last one. So make sure you get the next one. You just do that by going on to bobpritchard.com. That's bobpritchard with a T in the middle, P-R-I-T-C-H-A-R-D.com, and enroll. We've also had a lot of... um, requests to send out a summary of each week's radio program. So we're now beginning to do that. We sent out the first one last week and got a great response. I think there's another one going out today. And uh, we're getting good feedback. So thank you for that. It's really greatly appreciated. I'll be back after this short break with my guest, Barry Monet. He's uh, a very successful serial entrepreneur. I had the pleasure of sharing a few days with recently at the wonderful Waldorf Astoria Boca Beach Resort in Boca Raton in Florida. We, um, he is a very, very cool character, got great clothes, this guy. And uh, one of Barry's enterprises is internet security. And we'll talk to Barry about this subject right after this short break. I'll be back in a minute.
Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And we're proud to be the number one business radio show for entrepreneurs on the planet. And this segment is where we speak to successful entrepreneurs people who think outside the box and people that have got something to share with other entrepreneurs that can help all of us to become more successful. Uh, what I try to do in these interviews is find out what makes successful people tick so that we can all learn from their experiences. You know, it's, it's bloody hard to be successful. Most businesses fail. And if we can learn just a few little things from all the entrepreneurs that we talk to, then um, we increase all of our chances of success. I'm always urging people on this program to surround themselves by with um, with mentors, people that have done it before, people that have been there, people that can point out the traps before you fall into them. It is really important. So if you don't have mentors, I urge you to... Um, go and surround yourself with some really good people. Barry Money currently serves as President and CEO of Computronics, which is a full-service technology solutions company, and they, they design, they implement, and they manage data networks and communication infrastructure for small to medium-sized businesses in the medical, financial, and legal industries. After earning a degree in management information systems... Barry's done a whole bunch of really interesting things with interesting companies. He's a consummate entrepreneur and uh, over the years he operated various businesses including an exotic automotive sales and repair business. That appeals to me. I think I'd like to do that in my next life. I could drive Lamborghinis every weekend. Great. A day trading and stock advisory service, commercial real estate investment firm, an international importing business and quite a number of internet-based businesses. Now, Barry started a technology consulting firm in 1992, providing technology consulting to a wide range of corporate clients, and in 1997, Computronics was born. They became one of the forefront technology solutions companies, and in 2000, 
Barry spun off Computronics Security Division as a separate incorporated entity. Under the name Computronics Security Systems, the new company, valued at $25 million, built a state-of-the-art securities operations centre and monitors more than $4 billion in annual transactions and 50 to 100 hacker incidents a day. Wow. Wow. Uh, Barry's noted for his expertise in the, er- in the area of internet security and the protection of electronic data. He's worked with the FBI on matters related to electronic security, internet forensics and issues regarding network intrusion. Now I had the pleasure of spending some time in Florida a few months back with Barry. He's a great guy and uh, I'm pleased to have him on the show. Hi Barry, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hey, Bob. Thank you so much for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Mate, I'm just looking at my wall. I've got a sort of a trophy wall, you know. Uh, egocentrics tend to do that. <laughs> and I'm looking at a cover of a magazine from five or six years ago where I had the cover story um, called Hacked to Death. And I'm trying to remember, but I think I was talking to somebody who'd hacked into the White House. Um, but... Your company monitors up to a hundred hacking incidents a day, and you're one one of only uh, you're only one of all the companies in that space. We hear about the high profile hacks like Target and, and those, but how widespread is hacking for the average company, for well, the average individual too, for that matter? Sure. Well, basically. Hacking attempts are going on all day, every day, every second. You know, technology is so advanced, especially even from when we started Computronic Security System, to where the technology they use now is automated. So they're they're scanning the entire internet, looking for for openings, looking for anything they can find anywhere, including home users as well as small, medium, and large businesses. So, are these um, hackers are they professionals or they're just amateurs sitting around hacking? <laughs> Well, it's it's both, and it really depends, you know, what what their goal is. Some some are amateurs. There are so many programs out there. If you really search for it, you're going to be able to find hacking programs. I mean, I don't want to tell anybody to go out there and try this, but there's programs out there that will actually just go out and look for openings in everybody's computer. Basically, we're all on the Internet, and everybody who's on the Internet has what's called an IP, uh, which is like sure. a phone number which identifies yeah. you on the Internet. It's an address. And the fact is is that you can set up programs and most hackers have these access to these that will actually just scan each number 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 going up the line or down the line until they find an opening and it's it's pretty scary how easy it is for them to do it um, depending on what they're looking for so how does the average small company somebody who's got a uh, a trade you know got a trade business or got something how does um how do they protect themselves well, basically, you know, it's all about uh, your budget and what you're looking to protect. I mean, large companies will spend, you know, two, three, four times the price of what the data is worth or what a, a hacker would potentially spend to hack in. The average small business or even the home user or the single entrepreneur, basically, as long as they do something to protect themselves, as minimal as it is, it's better than nothing because the majority of hackers, i got to say 80 to 90%, are just looking for an opening where somebody didn't even bother to protect themselves. And all you'd have to do as a computer user is make sure you have the latest updates of security and the latest patches for your, your operating system and, of course, some of the programs. 
it, the problem is with people who don't even upgrade to the latest versions of things, and the old versions get outdated. We all know Microsoft you know, ceases support yep. of old versions of Windows. And if you don't do the updates, that's what hackers are looking for, people who, who didn't get the updates to close those security holes. So as long as they get the basic antivirus um, or, or something there, most of their problems are going to be alleviated. Okay. Now, when you got out of college... What did you want to be? What was what was your goal? You know, funny question because we all deal with that. You know, through life, we we, we don't know the path we're going to ultimately take, and we, we make decisions and go down different paths. You know, and ultimately, like to think where you are now is the place you're supposed to be, and that's where I like to think. And and a lot of my past has really told me that. <clears throat> I got into a lot of different businesses, as as you mentioned, some of them automotive and day trading and things like that. And, uh, commercial real estate and everything I got into, I found myself trying to utilize technology and computerize everything to make it more efficient and effective. Ultimately, realizing that you know what I really enjoy doing is is creating and utilizing technology and creating solutions to help myself and others utilize technology to help them get a competitive edge and make their business more efficient. So, so that's how I ended up with Computronics. Yeah. So you um you're you're a bit of a nerd. Yes, <laughs> you could say that. If you're listening, let me tell you about this guy. This guy's about as far from a nerd as you could possibly get. He's as, <laughs> he's as smooth as a gravy sandwich. He dresses absolutely beautifully. He's mega sophisticated. Um, somehow, <laughs> Barry, I'm sorry to say this, but nerd just doesn't fit. Now I can see you in I can see you in the um, exotic automobiles area. I can see you in there, very clear. But yeah. <laughs> now it's funny you bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I know you say the clothing part because we both share a similar interest in the same type of clothing. Yeah, we do. Uh, that, that, that was one of the things that we were talking about. That was funny. Yeah. Um, so many new companies are started every day. You know, there's, there's tens of thousands of them. We know that. 90% of them, 97% of them or so fail, and you've, su- you've survived for more than 20 years. Has, has everything you've done been a success, or have you had some classic failures along the way, or how would you describe Oh, absolutely, that? and you know, one of the things that you said, in there, or one of your guests said on a previous uh, interview you did is, and it hit me, hit me really, really in the right place, and that is he said, you know, true entrepreneurs don't know how to fail. And that's, you know, that, that hit me because that's truly been my life story. What that means is that not that things don't always work out. It means you don't give up. It's all about persistence and, and trying to find the way and sticking with it and, and having a passion for it. And that's what it's always been about. But to answer your question, majority of the businesses I got into have, you know, failed in the sense of, of not gone forward. Um, you know, you, you try so many different things, but as a true entrepreneur, you keep going, keep striving for what, what's your passion. And it's not really about the money. It's, it's about making a difference and doing something you love. The money comes later. But, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of the businesses have failed or I've lost interest or let them go or I've sold a few of them, maybe some too soon and left a lot of money on the table. But, you know, I just, I just want to bring up one thing that I've, I've really seen through my life. And we, we, we touched on this and you touched on this early on. You know, having a mentor and seeking out people that really can help in your business who have done it before is really something that all entrepreneurs really have to understand and grasp because most 
young entrepreneurs like I was at one point want to do everything themselves. It's all about me and everything. I know better than anybody else how to create that, that mousetrap. Well, the truth is there are people before us who have done it, learned all the mistakes. And if you can learn from them, it'll save you so much time and so much money. Yeah, it will. I think um, the, the other thing that people need to know is um, when to quit when, when to, or when to pivot when to, when to get to a point and say, well, shit, this isn't working. I've got to try something else. Or if I just take a 90-degree turn, then, you know, the, the new model's better. But a lot of people sit there and they're so convinced that what they're doing is perfect that they continue and continue and continue and continue before they finally, you know, go broke. Yeah, great point, and and I think that's also a true trait of a, a real entrepreneur is knowing when to quit and and trying to find a way to get out early if it makes sense not to move forward. You know, the two things I learn as I get older is is uh, that I'm not a superman; I can't do everything myself. And number two is patience, which is weird because we get older, we have less time in, in our lives. But uh, that's uh, two of the things I've learned. And, and if you can master those and yeah. understand persistence and and you know reaching out when you need help you know then that, that goes a long way that that's the really the true secrets most entrepreneurs have two problems well most entrepreneurs have more than two problems but they have two, two serious <laughs> problems yeah two two serious problems the first is um getting capital um and the second is getting the best staff and we've been in debates recently about um let's go to money first um how do you continue to to raise funds for these new businesses? Is there is there a secret to raising funds, or is it just having a a great investment um, plan and um, being persistent, knocking on doors? What's the secret? Well, I will tell you the the secret I found in raising capital, and I really don't think it's that hard to get money. There's two aspects of it. Number one is what are you going to pay for that money, and what are you going to yeah. do with that money? Yeah, that's what it really comes down to. You can always find money, but it's, it's a matter of what you're giving up for it. What's True. it going to cost you in the long run? And that's a problem that a lot of entrepreneurs deal with, and I'm I'm guilty of it uh, as much as everybody. I, I usually when people ask me how come you're you're somewhat successful, if if you know however you want to define that, and I believe it's because I made so many mistakes there aren't too many more I can make and raising money has is, is always been a mistake because a lot of entrepreneurs will just say you know I just need a little more money and I can make it happen and that's usually the wrong answer but getting money is not that difficult it's just how you utilize it which is the biggest thing which gets back to really more detail of your point capital it's really the financial management of a company and is it makes sense to get capital I have run Computronics for 20 years straight I have done other things most of them are offshoots of Computronics. Some of them were, were really too far away, but I've always tried to do things that are somewhat related to technology and Computronics and somehow will augment my core passion, which is Computronics. And I've raised money for other companies, but I've used Computronics as a, a backing asset for it or sure. collateral, which was very wrong. Um, so, you know, I've learned in the past, don't just grab money because you think it's the easy thing. You got If you're going to get it, you better know, sure as hell know what the hell you're going to do with it. Right. The second, the second thing, and there's a big debate. Well, I guess there's always been a debate when you're a, um, a an entrepreneur and a startup, perhaps, and you get money from most investors. Uh, the thing that they're concerned about is burn rate. You know, you're spending too much money. Yeah. You've got to economise and economise. And you know, I'm totally against that. And it's a lot of people that are because you for 
if you're not going to spend your money, you're not going to get the right people or the best people. If you don't get the best people, your chances of failure increase dramatically. So how, how do you find the right people? Well, now you've got an established company, it's easier. But in the earlier days when perhaps you didn't have um, that much money, how did you get great people and um, keep them? Well, you know what, it actually goes hand in hand with the finance question you asked me about. You know, how do you get the money? I stated it is easy to get. I believe it's not that difficult. It's just what you're willing to pay for. But to get it in the first place, <clears throat> people invest in people. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Business is about people working with people. It's not about computers and hardware and, or any product. It's people to people. If I work for IBM and you don't like me, you probably won't buy IBM products, you know, yeah. or anything like that. So when you get down to it, People invest in people, and, and I think your reputation is your credibility. Your confidence and your reputation are the two things that will take you everywhere. And when you're in front of somebody asking for money, they're going to look in the eyes and they're going to see how passionate you are about wanting to achieve whatever you want to achieve, and they're going to invest in you. And that's true with your workers, too, especially when you're starting up. The truth is when you don't have that money, and then, you know, burn rate is a whole, is a whole talk in itself and what yep. that means and what the right rate is. But when you're talking about it, even if you throw money at people, if you had it, I mean, if you're not, if you're not passionate about what you do, if people can't buy into your vision and into your dream and, and believe getting behind you is going to help enhance their life and their goals, then you're not going to get the right people. That's what it's all about. It's a sense of confidence, and, and everybody wants to be part of a winning team. And if they see you as that leader and they believe in your vision, no matter what it is, you're going to attract the right people. Confidence and, and your credibility is going to attract the right type of people more than the money. Because it's amazing at the moment. There's so much, you know, Los Angeles, where I am, is now um, the third biggest startup place in the world after Silicon Valley and, and um, um, Tel Aviv. And there is so much. In fact, there's more startups in Los Angeles now than anywhere else in the world. And the problem is the competition for the talent is amazing. There was a company the other day that offering not only great startup salaries, but also, you know, stock and they're, and they're throwing a new BMW on signing just to boot so they could get the best people. That makes it hard for somebody who's not really cashed up. Yeah, I'd, I'd be 100% agree with you. And, and again, you know, you're going to see a lot of people, you know, we were as big as about 50 people at one point. I've been able to bring it down to less than half because of the use of technology. But the core people I have, the real core team, the top five people have been with me for almost 20 years. Yeah. And the truth is, I'll tell you, they get paid handsomely now, but it wasn't about the money if even from the beginning because I didn't have it when I first started. I, you know, I had an idea, I had a vision, and, and I had uh, some some knowledge of technology. Yeah. And and with, with this burning passion to, to help small businesses utilize technology without uh, having to worry about it. And that's what you're going to find. Well, the thing is, where you are out there, there's so much opportunity. There's so many different startups. And, and you know, the, there's the great talent. And you do need good people. You need people who know what they're doing. Yeah. They have a lot of choice where yeah. you are. So it does come down to money and benefits to some extent. Yeah. What a... What are the biggest challenges you've faced over the years, in, either in a particular business or in business in general? What are the what are the real brick walls that you've sort of looked at and thought, shit, how am I going to climb over this? You know, it's 
there's not a lot of secrets in business. Everybody thinks that, oh, they, they found the secret. What's the secret? And there really isn't. It's, it's really doing the right things at the right time for the right reasons. Yeah. And what it comes down to is, is the two things you just talked about. You, you hit the nail on the head. It comes down to financial management, and it comes down to human resource. Those are the two main things. Granted, you're not going to get out there and sell horse and buggies to people who want to drive cars. So, you know, your product is relevant to the audience based on the timing and the economy and the, and, and the world where we are and what the, what makes sense. But beyond that, having even a decent product or service, it gets down to financial management and people. Money covers a lot of mistakes. Right. It really does. Yeah, it'll, sure. it'll basically key Unlimited money will keep you going forever, whether you're actually making money or making, you know, one dollar, which makes you a rich man, yeah. you know, as has been said in your past interviews. You know, it's all about the financial management and the human resource, uh, the people that work with you. So the obstacles have always been that, and I believe will continue to be that. Marketing and sales is a whole other aspect, but that can be turned into a process and even automated to some extent. Uh, they're proven, but dealing with money and dealing with people is two of the toughest things for anybody. So, who's the, who's the business entrepreneur that you admire the most? Who, if you had to pick one, one entrepreneur, and you sit there and think, "Wow, that's who I'd like to emulate." Well, who, who is that? I'll tell you. The funny thing is, is that you know, I could, of course throw names like Bill Gates and, and all the people everybody's uh, very much aware of, but the truth is, I believe as an entrepreneur, you've got to pick a mentor that you can touch and, and that's, that's real and right in front of you, that, that you can emulate in a very personal way. And i got to tell you, I, I got a partner I started the business with. Um, he's much older than me. He actually left IBM in the 80s and worked under Watson. So he came from corporate America, but he left that in the 80s. And he came, after being retired for 10, 15 years, we met each other through an acquaintance and started doing some projects together. The point is, he's my biggest mentor because, you know, he walked away from corporate America and he threw his, his life and everything, blood, sweat, tears, and finances into a business that we started together. And he's been by my side ever since. And he's well in his 80s. All and right. he's... Yeah, and he's old school capitalism. He's all about uh, a free market and letting entrepreneurs do what they do best, and that is, you know, create jobs and, and do things without government intervention. And I'm not, this isn't a discussion about politics or government. My point is, he is definitely my greatest mentor. And the, the funny thing is, and the last thing I'll tell you very quickly, you know, I met him when I was in my 20s. I've known right. him for quite a long time, and, uh, you know, 25 years or so. And, when I started, I was the rebel. I was the, you know, the pain in the ass, you know, you, you had all the answers, yeah. his way. Oh, I had all the answers. And he was a little more conservative, and, and we get into fights, and I'm, I was the ultimate salesman. I can sell him and convince him on anything and, you know, run circles around him in a discussion and always thought that, you know, I, I knew better than everything else. And as I've gotten older, I've become more like him. And I finally realized he hasn't changed one bit. He's yeah. always the same guy he's always been, trying to do the right thing for the right reasons and not going chasing stuff, sticking to the core values and providing good service. And I'm the one who's gotten closer to, to where he is. I, I've stopped the shiny object syndrome. You know, 
most entrepreneurs, you know, I, through our lives, as most entrepreneurs, you hit your 30s and everything you touch is, is gold. You know, the ones that do well, you, you, you can do nothing but make money and do well. Then as you get into your 40s, you've got a lot of responsibilities. You think it's going to continue forever. Things change and, and you begin to have to realize, you know, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing? You know, the money's not flowing as quickly and easily as it should have been. And then you got a chance when you're 40s and 50s to really work on it. Well, a lot of people chase a shiny object. They'll run off and try the latest gizmo and the latest business, and they forget about that business that was doing okay, maybe needed some help and was helping them, but not making them billions or millions. Most entrepreneurs say, ah, that guy's making millions, I'm going to go do that. When that doesn't work, that shiny object they chased, and they try to go back to their old business, it's gone. So yep. I've never lost focus at Computronics no matter what I do, and I attribute that to Gleason. So I'd have to say he's my greatest mentor in my life. That is a great answer. I'm, I'm really impressed with that answer. Um, where, where's technology going? I mean, where, where do you see... Uh, I, I'm a great fan of um, Singularity University, and uh, Singularity University says that in the last 10 years we've only gone 1% of the technology revolution. And we know how fast the change has been over the last 10 years. And they say that in the next 10 years, we're going to go the other 99%. So change in 10 years is going to be 2,500 times faster every day than it is now. <laughs> so what? where does that leave us? At, at some point... I mean, we've got a situation now where 95% of the world um, is not technology um, educated or, or smart for a whole bunch of reasons. So this ever-accelerating um, technology spiral, it does, does it mean that fewer and fewer and fewer people get to participate at, the, at, at a reasonable level or does it somehow have to slow down or get simpler or... We have to change our education. Well, we have to do that anyway. But um, you know, where does it go? You know, it's 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 all of the above. Everything you said. I mean, there will be divisions of classes. You know, technology will enable some people more than other, but core technology will be more accessible to the masses as we move forward. Sure. It's all what you see in the movies is is pretty much been telling it like it has been for the last ten, twenty years. You know, what's going to happen in the future? Well, you know, it's it's gonna be more interaction, more biometric type stuff, more artificial intelligence, those words that we heard, you know, years yeah. and years ago that you don't hear as much because they were played out. You know, things are getting smaller and faster, but the personalization of the technology to individuals is where it's gonna get closer and closer. Um, and obviously, it's going to change the way we do everything and the way we purchase. Look at the look at what happens now. I mean, I'm sure everybody sees it. You go online, you go from site to site, and it's funny if you just happen to be looking at a new car on you know Ford.com or something, and you happen to start going to other sites like you know wherever it may be, you're going to see ads start popping up for new cars, and it's like, how did I know I was looking for a new car? Yeah. You know, obviously, it's all cookied and it's tracking, but that is going to continue at an incredible pace. And making the technology more personalized, as it is with a phone, is going to move forward. I mean, I remember talking to my grandfather, and I remember watching black and white TV at his house, and him telling me they didn't have TVs and all these things in the early, you know, 1900s and things. And how, when I talk to my kids, I have three boys. They're, they're 5, 10, and yep. 16. And, and, and I tell them, I didn't have an iPhone. We didn't even have cell phones. I used to take a, a cordless phone and put a, a hanger on top of it so I can go outside and it read. And I thought I was, you know, I was in the future. 
point is, is that it's advancing so fast, and the personalization of technology is where the future is, but that also means that the security aspect is going to be our biggest and greatest concern as we move forward, all the, the identity theft and things like that. The Internet of Things, um, you know, it's going to be a lot easier to hack into a person through their fridge or their toaster than it is through their computer, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, what they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll do is they'll have to make it individualized, meaning how much information can somebody gain from a toaster, the usage of a toaster, when the truth is that toaster is connected to everything in your life. Can they exactly. use that as an entry point to yeah. get into your life? So, you know, you, you touched on it, and I was just being very broad about what the future potentially could be, and that is that personalization. Well, the Internet of Things and, and having your, your toaster be connected to you in some way so it knows how you want your toast and everything is the future. But you're absolutely right, and the security of things is going to be the biggest problem out there. I mean, look what has happened with this ransomware, these, these crypto wares, these, all these, yeah. these things that are out here that basically uh, attach to your computer, and they've got security on them that, that nobody can basically break, and you have to pay some guy in, in Europe or wherever he is, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars to get your information back, and he's able to do this across, or they're able to do this across the globe, um, and even our government can't break the encryption, so to say. The truth is that security is going to be the, the number one problem in the future, and any company that's involved in that in a, great, in a big way are going to do very well. So Computronics is a... So you're... Computronics is going to be a, is a great investment, or or you're going to, you're going to be living in bigger and bigger houses. Well, that's true. The funny thing is, the very funny thing is, and I, I think you mentioned it. Um, you know, we've worked with the FBI and such, and and the funny thing is, and is that a lot of time we've been told if we were the bad guys or on the wrong side, then we'd be billionaires. Because yeah. you know the, the ability to hack into things and understand how to how to steal and th- do things like that is. Yeah, when you're doing what we do on a daily basis, watching over thousands of computers, and you see how people try to get in and the things they do, it's just, it's incredible how creative these hackers are. And if they put it to good use, they, they can do just as well. Are the, are the hackers ahead of the good guys? I mean, are they, are they smart no, with better tools and more diligent and whatever than the good guys? Are the hackers going to win in the end? No. No, it's 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 it'll always be an ongoing thing. You know, it's a, the the it's always you know there's people on both sides. The thing is, their minds are are, are focused on a different aspect, uh, where the good guys are looking to protect, the bad guys are looking to penetrate and, and get in. So the, it'll always go on forever. You know, every day there's new viruses coming out, and and the virus companies are creating new cures for them. Same it is in medical. Same way it is is here. You know, there's there's new strands of you know, the flu every 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 season, and and the doctors are fighting it. So it'll yeah. it'll be an ongoing battle, never ending good against evil, whatever you want to call it, um, pretty much forever. That's just the way it is. And, and I can't see any side really leaps and bounds ahead of the other side for too long. You know, right. at times, you know, the, the good guys are ahead and other times the evil's ahead. That's just or the bad guys. Uh, and that's just the way it is. And what you need to do as a person or a small business, you need to be aware of what's going on. You can't spend your life, um, you know, just worrying about being hacked. That's like worrying about, you know, stepping out in the street and getting hit by a car every day. But you got to be cautious and you got to take the basic measures to protect yourself. And that'll cover you 80 to 90% of the time. Good advice, Barry Monet. Thank you very much for being on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. Now, if somebody wants to learn more or get in touch with you, how do they do that? 
They can actually go right to our website, which is computronicsusa.com, spelled C-O-M-P-U-T-R-O-N-I-X-U-S-A.com, all one word. And they can even uh, contact me right through there. And there's a lot of information, a lot of great information about what's going on in technology and, and be happy to help anybody in any way we can. Thank you very much. I hope we catch up again soon, mate. I enjoyed our time in Florida. And for your listeners, I'll be back with you after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. This is where you get absolutely no bullshit. And uh, we're in Los Angeles. Beautiful day here. The spend on digital ads worldwide is forecast to boom by 16% to over $17 billion this year. How many of those digital ads do you think you saw during the last 12 months? Seems like thousands, right? Every day you see squillions of these ads. So let me ask you another question. How many of those thousands of digital ads... Do you remember how many of them encouraged you to go and buy a product or change your behavior or have a different opinion about a brand? The answer is probably not too many. The US trade body, the Interactive Advertising Bureau, asked a panel of marketing experts to take a close look at the most successful online ad campaigns of 2014 dishing out awards to those that really captivated the audience and drove business. And, uh, of course, the gold-winning brands include Coke, Chipotle, Nike, and a bunch of other brands across the globe. So while all the ads succeeded for different reasons, there was one common theme, that campaigns to that sought to tackle huge issues and not just push product with the most successful. So this re-emphasizes that people want to buy product from companies that share their values, not just companies that have billions of dollars to throw at advertising. I think that's been true for a long, long time. Now, what a fantastic first quarter for Netflix. I mean, Netflix is destroying traditional television. In the last quarter of the year, Netflix added 2.3 million new subscribers in the United States and 2.6 million international subscribers. And, you know, there's no question that their um, growth is being driven by fantastic programming. House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, Unbreakable Jimmy Schmidt, Bloodline, There's a whole heap of them that are just sensational series. And people blitz watch 
on Netflix, and uh, that's the only way to watch these shows. And um, the average Netflix subscriber streams movies and programs for two hours a day, and that's huge. That's, a, that's almost up, at, well, it's up over 15 minutes per subscriber per day from last year. But what's really happening is that um, Netflix is just eating traditional lunch, uh, traditional television's dinner. I mean, it is just gobbling it up. If Netflix was a domestic US broadcast network, it could probably be the number two network in the country, and at very worst, number four. And this is because you know they only they only hit forty percent of the households. So they're blitzing everybody with only 40% of the households at the moment. So in the last 12 months, Netflix soared past Disney with almost a 50% gain. Uh, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings said on his company's Q1 earnings call last Thursday that while TV had an amazing 50-year run, that momentum is coming to a rapid end. Internet TV is taking over, and clearly in the next 10 years or so, Internet TV is going to replace linear TV, and everybody's struggling to try and figure out how they can make great apps, how they can make the transition, how they can figure out the Internet, you know, what's the best way to reach people. Well, this trend is really starting to hit cable TV companies, and cable TV, while they continue to move as slowly as possible... They're increasingly enabling subscribers to choose a more a la carte menu. You know, I'm always saying that I want to get out of my contract. You know, my contract with Time Warner, I've got a whole truckload of Spanish channels that I can't watch. I've got a whole heap of, of sports channels that I don't want to watch. I've just got a whole bunch of crap I don't want to watch, but I have to. So I want to be able to buy a la carte. I want to be able to buy this and this and this and this and this and this. Not have the company say to me, well, we can't make any money out of this shit, so we're going to bundle it in. If they can't make any money, they go out of business. Why should we be supporting bloody cable channels that can't get an audience? Anyway, so what is fantastic news for entrepreneurs? Venture capital investing just had its biggest first quarter in 15 years, according to new data on VC investment trends. So the best quarter in 15 years. I mean, that's really something. $13.4 billion was invested in 1,020 deals. Investors threw 26% more money into deals than they did in the first quarter of 2014. So if you needed any more proof that the market's on the upswing, this is it. As I've said many times, there is absolutely no better time to be an entrepreneur than right now. Now, there was a host of other findings, most of which showed that billions of dollars are being poured into startups, and that's still flowing very freely. There were 12 deals that passed the $100 million threshold, and later stage deals represented a third of the total money invested. Software companies have received the most funds compared to startups in other sectors, doubling in the last decade from 21% in 2006 to 42% in 
in 2015. The second biggest section sector was biotechnology, with 1.7 billion going into 124 deals. So this is a really, really good time to raise money, even if you don't need it. <laughs> um, put the money away as a cushion in case the market shifts. There doesn't seem to be anything on the horizon that's going to cause a downturn. Uh, the figures that came out today show that the confidence in the US economy is high. The president's um, positive ratings are up three points. People are very confident about the future, so there is no downturn on the horizon. But it's going to happen at some point. You know, one thing we can't avoid is the fact that um, these things are cyclical, so we are going to run into a downturn at some point. But it isn't in the in the foreseeable future, and it certainly won't be before the next U.S. election, which is in yeah, eighteen months. Is it? I think it's in about eighteen months. There certainly won't be a downturn before then. There's also an old saying that it's been around forever that says um, it's not about who did it first, it's about who did it right. And if you go and look back through most of the major companies, they weren't the first into the market. Somebody beat them to it but failed. So um, I get people say to me all the time, you know, we've got to get first mover advantage. You know what advantage first mover is? About nil. So you don't want to go in and get in there first. You want to go in and get in there right. And uh, selling a product can be all in the timing. Sometimes even the best ideas just don't work the first time, whether either because the technology isn't ready or because the market isn't ready. But when there's a big failure, this is a great opportunity for the next person who gets to look at the mistakes of those who have gone before and figure out how to make it work. I'll give you a couple of examples. Webvan, the online grocery delivery website, started in 1998, is one of the first dot-com bubble's greatest horror stories. They burnt through $800 million before they went bust in 2001. Fast forward 10 years and Amazon Fresh and Instacart both took advantage of the rise of smartphones and a public that's more willing to shop online. In fact, Amazon Fresh bought a lot of web vans, intellectual property and their team. Another example is Hang With, which launched in 2013 as an app to let celebrities connect with fans via live stream video. Celebs like Justin Timberlake, 50 Cent, um, Jared, Jared Leto have all used the app to connect with fans. Since then, it's broadened out to a fully-fledged live streaming app and it's got about 2 million users. But then all of a sudden, Meerkat started building buzz in early March for its very simple approach of live streaming, gaining tens of thousands of users overnight. That buzz only intensified when Twitter bought Periscope. More importantly, Meerkat and Periscope brought the concept of live streaming to the masses in the way that um, Hang With just couldn't do. So if you're a regular, regular listener to the show and you're benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you every week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Now, if you want to listen to any of the 100 and 
84 shows or 200 shows or whatever there is before this one, just go to my website, bobpritchard.com, go up to the navigation bar, click on radio show, and you can listen to any show that you want. There's a good 200 hours of business education there for you to listen to. Now, thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show for entrepreneurs on Voice America Business. And remember, it's much easier to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope you have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.